What's up, Makana heads? This is your guest host, Mark, popping in at the beginning of this episode. This is episode 11.5, and when we recorded episode 12 for Amistad, we anticipated that that episode would release on November 6th, instead of the episode you're listening to today. Now, McConaughey's birthday was November 4th, and we would be remiss not to wish him a happy birthday. So I'm going to insert the birthday wishes that we recorded during the Amistad episode right here. This episode is coming out two days after McConaughey's 54th birthday, so we need to send out a belated happy birthday to the man himself, McConaughey. November 4th, it should be a national holiday. I think it should be. I mean, I revere him as a national treasure. Why would we not have a national holiday around his birthday? All right. It should at least be a Texas holiday. Oh, at least. One more big happy birthday to our inspiration, Matthew McConaughey. Now, the episode we have for you today is something new and something that I'm really proud of. A Highway to More episode. Let's get into it. Get my third win. Let's get on the road. Keep that rubber on the road, Eddie. It's time to refill the tank. Welcome, folks, to the Mastering McConaughey podcast. This episode is a highway to more episode where we refill our tanks and go on a little road trip. Today, I'm interviewing... Bob, is it Bob Lament? Bob Lament, yeah. Bob Lament. Bob, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Bob, you're an, an experienced broadcaster, podcaster, right? Uh, I don't, yeah, let's see. What do they say? 10,000 hours or something? <laughs> uh, I don't know that I have 10,000 hours, but uh, I certainly have a couple thousand. Sure. And you've got a, a show. What's the name of your show? So I do a show called Static Radio, and uh, we've been doing it since uh, we did test shows in uh, November, uh, right after Thanksgiving in 1998, um, and we've been doing a weekly show pretty much ever since. We've missed maybe a handful of shows every week uh, over the last uh, 20 plus years um, because of various things. People die, you know, sure. things happen, <laughs> and uh and so then whenever that happens, then you don't um, feel like recording. So uh, we missed a few shows along the way, but really only a handful. I mean, maybe five that I can even think of over the last 20-plus years. So Yeah, that's a pretty good track record. That's a good – yeah. I feel like the Nolan so, Ryan of yeah. <laughs> uh, this kind of thing. Although he didn't even play for 20 years, did he? Come on. Right, right. So you're even better, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That guy's a, <laughs> that guy's a sucker. <laughs> He didn't even do anything. Come on. That's right. He just showed up every, yeah. And he didn't even do it on a weekly basis, right? I mean, Right, yeah, exactly. He got lots of time off. Come on, this yeah. guy. Everybody's yeah. celebrating him. Give me a break. Right. <laughs> well, Bob, I kind of connected with you because of your, I guess, interest in UFOs and, and aliens. And uh, I, I listened to your most recent episode or where you were a guest on, uh, is it UFO No? Was that yeah, UFO No, yeah. Yeah, very interesting, very interesting. Yeah, it's, it's wild. I've been on that a couple times now, um, and it's a good show. And the funny thing is, uh, uh, 
the host is a, a little bit more, uh, you know, I would say a, a little less convinced of the mm-hmm. subject than I am. And so I find that quite interesting. I mean, I'm not totally, you know, down the rabbit hole on all this, but um, I, I think that uh, I'm probably a little more pro uh you know, pro UFO instead of a UFO. No, maybe I'm. Yeah. So if I'd be on the pro UFO side of things, so yeah, it is interesting. It's great to talk to him, and and yeah. I think it makes for a fun uh, conversation. Uh, yeah, that was my first episode. I didn't know about that podcast. And oh, really? Yeah. It's yeah. good. It's good. He does a good, really good job, and he talks about all kinds of interesting stuff. And yeah, I mean, even if you don't uh, agree. Uh, that every, he pretty much thinks everything's a military uh, mm-hmm. project, um, right. and even if you don't agree with that, it's still a good listen. I mean, you have to keep your mind uh, uh, open, and you have your own opinions, and you can't, uh, you know, you go with what you got. So, but you, it, it certainly brings up a lot of interesting topics and uh, and stories and so forth. And so, it is, uh, you know, something to something that makes you think. Yeah, yeah, I was I was expecting him to be, I don't want to say nut job, but you know what I mean. Just <laughs> he's like a way out there. He's a nutter. Yeah, no, no, not at all. I, I he, think he's, he's a skeptic. A fairly, yeah, he's a skeptic uh, at heart. I think he the subject is fascinating, and I find yeah. it fascinating as well. And I'm, I would say, you know, if I, if I were to measure, uh, he's probably like seventy five percent skeptic, and I'm probably more like fifty five percent skeptic, sixty five. Something like that. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, but the, the, I think the difference is um, I had an experience. And so that's what drives part of that. Mm. Um, I did have, uh, I mean, I've always been interested in it, even since I was a kid. And so, you know, that was an, a topic that always, um, you know, made me, I, I loved it and I loved to learn about it and so forth. Yeah. And you, got, you can't take everything at face value. You know, everything is... There's so much hoaxing and and nonsense out there, and uh, right. and there are people who have you know kind of gone over the edge, I would say, and think that things are happening that really aren't happening, and or maybe they're happening but not in the way that they really you know in in, right. in our reality that they're happening, <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I saw a uh, I saw a UFO, so um, I saw a sphere. If you're curious about this, this works into contact in a really odd way because there's a whole sphere aspect to the contact right. movie. But I saw a, a smooth sphere um, that was flying at you know altitude, probably at least ten, uh, fifteen thousand feet. Is my guess. I don't know for sure because I didn't like shoot it with a laser or anything. You saw and, it from the um, ground. <laughs> what's that? You saw it from the ground. Yeah, I was watching the wild thing. I was playing with my children uh, on a swing set, and uh, um, the deal was so I had, my son was young at the time, and um, we at the time we lived near an air force base, and uh, and we he loved to look look at the planes, and so when planes would go overhead, I would say, "Hey, there goes a plane," and we would look at it and try to figure out, you know, you know that's a jet, you know, was that. Yeah, Southwest Airlines. What is is a, is a military plane because you can kind of sure. tell from the wings uh, how they're shaped. Because um, military planes' wings sweep back stronger than commercial jets. Um, so anyway, we were doing. Uh, I was doing this. He was very young, and 
So I would kind of watch the sky uh, while we were playing outside, and I'd say, oh, look, here comes this or that or what have you. Mm-hmm. And I look up. I it just happened to look up. Actually, I looked up because there was a helicopter that wasn't too far away. And um, and it was going not – it wasn't in the same space. It was like a helicopter off to one side, and then this thing was off uh, on the other side of the horizon. But I looked up because I heard the helicopter. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was looking around, and there's this ball. It looked like a silver sphere. Uh, it must have been rather large because it was larger than a plane fuselage going through the air. And it basically went uh, from my uh, right uh, on the horizon to my left on the horizon in approximately less than 30 seconds. And I watched wow. it, and it was just shocking. And I'm still pushing my kids on the swing, <laughs> which is the funny part. I didn't say anything to them. I'm still pushing them on the swing as I'm watching this thing go overhead. And and I, I'd guesstimate that the size of it was um, uh, probably four or five times, maybe more, the front end of a jet, right? So the nose cone. But it's a ball because I saw okay. both sides of it as it went by. You know what I mean? It wasn't like... You know, every time I tell this story, people are like, well, it was just a jet coming at you. Yeah. No, this thing was huge compared to a jet. And then I saw that there was no tail and there was no wings and there was no, it was a ball. And it just goes shooting over the top of us and off uh, the other side of the horizon. And uh, yeah, and I just kept wow. pushing them on the swing. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the most weirdest uh, thing that's ever happened. It didn't you know, talk to me or send any messages or <laughs> anything like that. It just went shooting across the sky. And if you, if I hadn't have looked up at that moment, it would have went by without any notice because there was no noise from it. Um, it turns out the helicopter is, uh, I, I'm assuming because I've seen it again another time, just the helicopter itself, mm-hmm. is some farmer or somebody who has a helicopter that looks kind of like one of those MASH helicopters with the bubble yeah. On the front, you know, kind of very huh. uh, simplistic uh, uh, frame and a bubble, a glass bubble looking uh, thing. Yeah. Because I've seen it uh, more than once since then. Um, and I lived out in the country. And so uh, I'm just assuming it's like some recreational person yeah. um, who, who was able to do that. But yeah, it was just the two the only reason i mentioned the helicopter is just because that's what made me look up but it had no it probably didn't even know that this happened uh, yeah. at the time so yeah so it's not a wild a thing so that that's what draw what kind of draws me in a certain directions now i i, was, I said we're, i live near an air force so uh, air force mm-hmm. base so but i mean so far we have not seen any flying balls come out of the air force so yeah yeah how many years ago was it was i actually recorded a show about it so it was uh may of 2003 i believe uh and it's uh, you can look it up and listen to the show uh it's called uf uf roach uh is the name of the show if you search for it static radio uf roach Um, okay uh, and so, um, because everybody is just uh, accused me of just being high. 
<laughs> I was going to ask if you had dropped acid before no. you started pushing I just your children with but... the kids. Yeah, yeah. I didn't do you know. I didn't even back then. I didn't normally <laughs> drop acid and go swing the kids. <laughs> I mean, so maybe some people do. I don't know. It's, yeah, that's not my not been my thing. So, <laughs> um, I'll tell you, like probably. 12, 14 years ago, I was in the in North Carolina in the Pisgah National Forest and camped overnight in a um, like a fire observation tower. Oh yeah, cool. And I mean, just middle of a national forest. So I mean, there's there's no lights, there's no houses, there's nothing. Mm. Uh, and we're laying on the ground trying to sleep, and we could see through the windows like a light, like. Um, like headlights coming up over a hill or something. Mm-hmm. And that's what we saw through the windows. And by the time I got up, there was nothing there. And like the next day, you know, look out and sure enough, there's, there's no roads. Uh, there's no houses. There's nothing, you know, mm-hmm. you couldn't hear any kind of a helicopter or anything. Yeah. Um, you know, it's an unexplained phenomenon, but. Um, so what, what forest were you in again? I'm sorry. Pisgah. Okay, and that was in what state? North Carolina. North Carolina. So they got the spook lights, right? Uh, in the Brown Mountains, isn't that near North Carolina? I'm pretty sure. It's either Virginia or North Carolina. Oh, I don't know. So there's this thing called the spook lights. There's spook lights all over the place. So um, there's even spook lights in other parts of the country. They have different names and so forth. But it's in the forest, and then these lights happen, and no one can explain it. And uh, you can go, and there's... Uh, you know, places where you can kind of station yourself. I think it's the Brown Mountains where you can uh, go and watch the spook lights quite regularly. Really? So, yeah. There's like a, a numbers um, station type thing? Yeah, like a numbers station, exactly, yeah. Wow. There's one down uh, in um, near, uh, uh, what is it? It's near Branson, Missouri. There's a road and they have a spook light. Uh, and no explanation down. for it? None. Nah. There are people who say, "Oh, it's just a, it's just a car off in the distance, and it's just you know the reflection." You do get uh, overcast days where lights will reflect off of the cloud cover and so forth. And so there's a lot of people that say stuff like that. But I think in certain places, like uh, what I'm talking about, where it's kind of had this whole uh, story that's built up around it, it happens mm-hmm. so often that people have built a uh, a story and built a, uh, you know, a reason for it to be happening. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, spook lights or, or what have you, swamp gas, you name it. <laughs> but, but it is weird. I mean, and I, sure. I knew, I figured this, so I watched, you ever watch the show Skinwalker Ranch, which is kind of a big thing on history channel right now. And they've no, captured these things. It. So on camera for the, for their show, um, I'm assuming, I mean, just uh, the whole show is based on weird happenings, obviously, at this one location. Uh, so, I'm, you know, I hope they're not hoaxing everybody, but uh, I'm assuming they're not at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and they had spook lights, basically, or just orbs, orbs of light that move through areas. So, huh. you know, it, the, the, cra- the great thing, and also just tie it back to contact, is that we don't know everything. And, and, Right. The the movie um, kind of talks about that and and even uses uh, 
you know, and this was 97. So here we are in, in 2023. And I watched this movie just last night, like you did. We just talked mm-hmm. about that off of uh, recording, I guess. And, uh, and it's like, it really holds up. This is yeah. a great, a great movie. And the subject matter is good. And it's really interesting how in what, 26 years, we mm-hmm. haven't moved that far off the mark. No. No. And oddly enough, in what was it, 2017, is when the Pentagon came out with their stuff in the uh, uh, Wall Street or the uh, New York Times. And so, yeah, what, what is that? That's like, uh, what, 20 years on the dot or something? Right, right. Yeah, 30 years, 30 years. Uh, so it's 37, 36 years. So, yeah, so it's interesting that we really haven't moved that much further into uh, accepting that there's these phenomena right. and accepting that things happen. And um, so it's really interesting to watch this movie because of that. So here we've got all these years down the road and we're really not any better off in our understanding and not any better off in our acceptance. So yeah, in this movie, the aliens, the the Vegans, as you said, contact humans Mm -hmm. uh, after uh, Hitler broadcast the Olympics, like opening his opening speech towards Mm -hmm. the the Vegan system. Mm -hmm. And then the Vegans, after 26 years, they received it and then they transmitted it back with mathematical information on on like how to build this big apparatus. Um, and I was talking to my wife about like other movies and, and pop culture that deals with you know, first contact scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she mentioned Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Which Galaxy is Quest. <laughs> right, which is like this exactly, but just, yeah. just comedy, right? Yeah. Like we broadcast a Star Trek type uh TV show towards this uh alien system. Mm-hmm. They receive it, they receive the show and they think it's reality. Uh, and base their entire society around it. Um, yeah. Now, yeah. The funny. Can I ask you a question though? Did you, whenever you uh, saw this, right? You saw they uh-huh. had a swastika, and then they zoomed out and everything. Did you realize that that was the first uh, global television transmission? Did you know that ahead of time? No. Like as they talked about it, I remembered watch. I remembered it from the movie. I was like, right. oh yeah, this was yeah. So you didn't you didn't realize. So this is all pre. Uh, so that's pre World War Two, right? So, in your mm-hmm. if you get a history lesson here, so Jesse Owens was at the Berlin Olympics in I think it was uh, 1939 or 1940. I can't remember exactly, but um, and the Nazis were there as a mm-hmm. legitimate political uh, <laughs> people at that point in time. I mean, people didn't yeah. necessarily like them. There's a, you know, Charlie Chaplin made a whole movie called The Great Dictator, which was against Hitler um, mm. before Hitler, before World War II. So anyway, mm. the um, uh, so it's interesting that that was so the Nazis had developed a lot of technology. And one of their things was they were able then to broadcast worldwide the Olympics in there in Berlin. And the, the bad part about it was Jesse Owens, uh, who was an uh, African-American uh, you know, athlete, won a lot of medals. And he was mm. uh, African-American, which went totally against what the Nazis were pushing. Mm. And yeah. Um, yeah, so it's really interesting. But I think 
now, I mean, I don't at the t- even at the time, I don't think a lot of people realized the re you know they told in the movie right but i mean whenever they first see it your mind shoots off in other directions just like james woods uh, in the character uh, did yeah um but the reality is you know we we send signals out into space constantly so they're watching the kardashians for christ's sake now <laughs> you know that's what they're getting from us just like galaxy quest just like this movie Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Carl Sagan because, yeah, the story was by Carl Sagan and mm-hmm. somebody else. Um, but it, which makes me believe that this is, you know, pretty, I don't know, be- believable a way that aliens would, would contact us, extraterrestrials mm-hmm. would contact us. Yeah, just sending back math, math, just, <laughs> you know, right. mathematical uh, uh, diagrams and things to to teach us how to. Uh, create a device to to contact them. And I think Ellie says, you know, math is the universal language. James right. Wood says, why didn't they use English? Right, why didn't well, they do? Yeah. Yeah, math right. is the universal language, but... Well, um, English is derived from so many other languages, it's not even... It wouldn't be a starting point for anything, to be honest Sure, <laughs> sure. You know, Greek and Latin and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Now, I'm, a, I'm a big Star Trek fan. Do you... Are you oh, yeah, a Star, I love Star Trek, Trek yeah. Yeah. You know, of course, there's a whole movie called Star Trek First Contact, but um, I think throughout every series, they deal with first contact with Mm -hmm. other other races. And I I think they they are always hesitant to make contact with non-warp societies. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, and then, of course, in First Contact, the movie, the whole deal is uh, Zephram Cochran, Cochran. he designs this warp capable engine and. Uh, a Vulcan scout ship just happens to be passing by and they go, Oh, Hey, they're work capable now. Um, but do you think that that's like that kind of thing is happening out there? Do you think that there are, it kind of depends where you think. So, um, a lot of people, even before that movie came out, uh, and so forth, when the atom bomb went off. So that's when they pinpoint more activity uh, for UFOs and things is after the testing of the atomic bomb, which is kind of interesting. Okay. Oppenheimer's out at the movies right now, but yeah, you know, Barbenheimer. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so people like tie that. says Roswell was, was uh, Roswell is kind of the big uh, UFO story. And it happened during that time period. And they were near where the only nuclear aerial nuclear planes were housed which was in roswell outside of roswell new mexico and uh okay. nola gay took off and and bombed uh japan mm-hmm. and um so yeah so if people do that but i think there's a lot of other examples pre um pre-atomic age uh of people seeing stuff and then you get into the ancient aliens thing which everybody is it's all hokey with Giorgio mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, if you uh, are into any of that, where they, you know, they bring examples from ancient times and the in Egyptian times and even before that, uh, where they show that something has happened, especially in Indian uh, culture with vimanas and and um, uh, things like that. And so, you know, it, it, I don't know that, you know, it, there's a couple of areas of thought here so the areas of thought are that it's always been happening and we just haven't been paying attention which sure. 
could be um, because, you know, population has grown. And so now you have more people. And so you have when you have more people, then you have more awareness of your surroundings because more people are everywhere and they see stuff. So and um, then you have a way to communicate it around. Yeah, the globe, yeah, yeah exactly. The <laughs> Internet alone. My goodness. The boon that that's been for these kind of things. And I think that's probably why, you know, when I was young, there was no Internet and you know, I got like a book in the library to read about this stuff. Right. And Mm -hmm. that was it. Um, and there wasn't any communicating other than with your buddies. It's, it was just the same as being talking about football, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, or your favorite sports team or whatever. So the, um, the interesting thing is now we have all this, this realm of communication that's so available that, that it, uh, makes it easy and unfortunately it makes it easy on two sides it makes it easy to talk about things that maybe have happened uh, and talk about things that haven't have happened so mm-hmm. <laughs> and then a lot more hoaxing and a lot more uh, stuff like that so um but for the movie i find it really interesting that um so they want to make contact and so they send to the schematics they build this uh you know i always i always love to watch uh, these movies where the government's spending a trillion dollars on this thing, right? Yeah, right. Everybody's always getting incredulous about that. I mean, if anybody with half a brain thinks about government spending, right? Yeah. It's out of control anyway. Money almost, we're almost to the point where money is inconsequential Mm -hmm. to what is happening the right. only time they seem to use it, and this is all goes all the way back to this movie and even before, the only time they use that is when they want the public to shut up, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah. They go, well, it only it costs a billion dollars because most people can't fathom a billion dollars, you know. Yeah. Uh, even though we just had a billion dollar lottery the other day, but uh, um, you know, yeah. you wow. can't fathom it. You know, it's so hard to fathom mm. as an average person that it becomes intimidating, but. You know, the realities of, the, of government is they spend whatever money they want to spend on whatever they want to spend it. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of wrangling and things that go on. But if if it's going to happen, it will happen. How much it costs is almost irrelevant. Um, yeah. And, and so, yeah, and it's all a matter of – it's more a matter of politics than it's a matter of uh, economics. Mm-hmm. Politics always ru- rules the day. In these situations. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And it did for this movie. And they proved it because, way, hey, go, lo and behold, they didn't just make one of these devices. They made two of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What did the, like the billionaire said? Right. Why make one when you can make two for twice the price? For twice the price. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that is a true governmental statement. I mean, yeah. Oh my gosh. You cannot, you know, if, you follow anything, that's just echoes, right? And I also thought it was uh, incredibly insightful to think that they would use um, her own memories and her own thoughts to create an environment for her. They set Mm -hmm. it up great in the movie. Uh, They didn't uh, hammer it home with Pensacola. Uh, uh, Her father was a little hammered home because he died, but you know. Uh, with Pensacola and and she had the picture that she drew as a kid and and um, basically this was her interpretation right. of what she thought 
it would be. And then, but she was somewhere else. And the other great thing was, guess what? They really weren't vegans. We don't know where they were at because they took a turn, right? She went, ba, 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 ba. That's ah, true. Ah, this is Vega. This is Vega. Wait a minute. Ba, 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 ba. The chair gets ripped out of the thing. She gets out, you know, gets out. The chair gets ripped down. She went, who knows where the hell she went. She I just kind of thought maybe. <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought maybe she she thought it was Vega, but then it wasn't. But I think you're totally right. No, it was totally. Yeah. They have totally took you to Vega and it was a, a relay. Yeah. And okay, then they told you it took you two other places because she stopped, I think, at least two or three times before she mm-hmm. got to the beach. Mm-hmm. And um, but it was hard to tell because then the whole, uh, you know, this chair isn't. Uh, they didn't tell you to put the chair in there. Why the hell we got a chair? You know. Yeah. And, she was right. <laughs> and, yeah, and the reason was because of the of the violence of of going through wormholes. Uh, mm. The the inner space is enveloped in anti gravity, and and mm. that gets to. You know, everybody, you talk to anybody. I have a, a friend of mine that I uh, have lunch with quite a bit. And we would talk about these things. Uh, and he's like, oh, these things can't, they have to be, if there is, if number one, they're not real. If there's a UFO kind of situation. Number two, they can't be real because of the G-forces that happen on the body whenever you make right angle turns in the sky and all this kind of stuff. Well, hey, guess what? This movie just told you, here's how it happens. Right, you're enveloped in a environment that dampens, you know, in Star Trek inertial dampeners. Right, uh, right, and, and that's an inertial yeah. dampener. You're, and that's why you can't have the chairs because you can't have anything connected to the outside that envelops you in this thing that allows your flimsy little body to to make the the jump through all these things. Sure, and huh. um, it it really. On you know on that front, I think it really showed the potential, the possibilities, um, because it's different. You know, we just like um, we can't fathom a billion dollars, we can't fathom mm. living in space, and, sure. and it takes you know a lot of time and experimentation to know how these things affect uh, everybody, and then also to come up with solutions so it won't affect everybody because of radiation and and all that kind of stuff i say we take off and nuke the entire site from orbit it's the only way to be sure fucking a have you watched the sci-fi show the 4400 i i have not watched i think i've watched an episode or uh quite a while ago but i have not watched it uh in its entirety no is that when there's 400, 400 people that come back from uh, uh, they were abducted and they come back? Is that yeah, that? yeah, yeah, and and it ends up being you know spoilers for anybody who hasn't watched the forty four hundred. It is pretty good for a sci fi show. Yeah, they like resurrect these dead people or people who had disappeared, as you mm-hmm. say, years later. Bring them all back. Forty four hundred people bring them all back at the same time, mm-hmm. and they have like superhuman abilities. And it turns out that it was future humans who did this to try to like save the planet, I guess. Yeah. And then also in Interstellar, which a Matthew McConaughey right. project. Yeah. Like future humans open up the portal, right, so that they can access these different worlds. Um, is that something you've ever? Oh yeah. You know, m- mulled over that maybe aliens are just future humans. That's happened a lot, actually. That came out. Um, I don't know that he said it 
uh, verbatim, but Lou Elizondo, the the Pentagon whistleblower guy that's out front right now, uh, mm. talks about the aliens being interdimensional and even possibly from our future. Uh, okay. I think he said something along those lines. And so, yeah. Uh, and I'd say, you know, just as a weird uh, tangent to all this. So um, I hate to keep taking it back to my story, but it's just that's a point of reference now in our conversation. But sure. Sure. I, I had never heard about spherical UFOs until I saw one. And then now I, it's almost like, you know, you buy a new car. You're like, nobody's got this car. And then you drive around like, hell, everybody's got this car. What the hell? Right, right. And so now all these spherical UFO things come out. I don't recall a lot of interdimensional speak until this recent thing. I mean, everybody's talked about other dimensions and there's been shows and stories and so forth, but not uh, – at the same level. So, you know, we have this blurring of fact and, and fiction and, and, and experiences and, and fiction and all this kind of stuff. So um, I think I heard more about it in popular media than I heard it about it, you know, from a Pentagon whistleblower person. You know what I mean? So that made it a little more interesting that, that, that they may be interdimensional or they may be from the future. And now if you look around and this has happened for a since, that was 2017, right? When all that happened. So, mm-hmm. uh, if you look on YouTube, there's all these people who say I come from the future, and they try to prove it and so forth. That seems to be like a thing now, you know, mm-hmm. um, because of this these statements. And so then you know that starts generating uh, uh, more stories and so forth about you know these people that say I come from the future. The interesting thing is that for me, if you think about it, right? So I love thinking about all this kind of stuff. And so the, the future thing makes it interesting as well. But the problem is, is um, if it were real, number one, I think they could cover it up pretty easily. Uh, and we wouldn't mm-hmm. even know. Because <laughs> yeah. you always have the paradox, the future paradox, right? When you go and make a change and it branches and, and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, or it would just all of a sudden become knowledge. Right, because it would ha- once it happens, it happens, and then at that point, it's all knowledge going forward, and and, and backward depending on when it happened. So, if mm. that happened in the fifties, then we would all know, we'd all magically know about it, and that's like Back to the Future, right? So, you know, sure. <laughs> the the his siblings were disappearing because his parents never got together, and as soon as they got together, they magically were back in the timeline, and so it gets yeah. into the timeline of things, and and. Um, infinite timelines and all that kind of stuff. And, and again, it's one of those uh, concepts that, you know, average folks, it's hard to wrap your head around all that because, you know, you cannot imagine. I mean, literally uh, anything can happen at any moment, right? And any moment can make a new timeline. Yeah. So it starts to boggle the mind Because you and I's conversation has an infinite number of possibilities that could happen. Who knows what other words going to come out of my mouth at any moment or yours. And so we've just created, you know, hundreds of thousands of possibilities just having this conversation. Yeah. And and, and, and then you just you get to a point where you're like, fuck it, I'm not going to deal with that. It's too much. (laughs) I don't I don't I I just want to talk about Matthew McConaughey and how good looking he is back in 1997. Exactly. (laughs) Hello, boys! I'm back! 
Well, Bob, let me throw out a little. Um, I don't know. Let me throw out a little a little puzzle here or or a scenario. You know, in in contact, we don't really know if the aliens are friendly or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we're, I think we're kind of led to believe that they're friendly and they're going to make slow progress in, in contacting us and things. But we don't really know what their intentions are. Now, in Independence Day, the aliens come to just strip the the planet of resources. Mm-hmm. And we juxtapose that with uh, Arrival. Did you see that with Amy Adams? Yep. Yeah, you know, so they they came, if I remember right, they came to teach us their language mm-hmm. because the humans in the in the future they needed the humans to save them. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, so save they were there for yeah. So I guess both of those they were there for selfish reasons, mm-hmm. but um, but the arrival aliens were were presumably you know peaceful, and the Independence Day aliens were just. Well, you know, that's Impressive. a whole nother conversation. Were they violent or were, did they just see us as ants? You know, right. but, you know, if we, if we take those two examples, Independence Day, evil, we'll say, and arrival, peaceful, I don't know, what, what, what does that bring to mind? You know, I don't, I don't want to pigeonhole you into, do you think that when aliens actually make broad contact, is it going to be evil or, you know, or violent or, or peaceful or, um, but kind of. What, what does that bring to mind to you? So, yeah. So, again, it goes back to that uh, issue of time, perceived time. So if we perceive mm. time the same way, then I would say the chances of them being evil are pretty slim if there already really are things out there. Because we've had enough time. I mean, they could have wiped us out many times over, uh, over mm-hmm. you know, several thousand years here. I mean... Uh, unless you want to say they wiped out the Olmecs, which is a whole puzzling uh, thing down in South America and Mexico. But anyway, the um, uh, I think th- that chances are, you know, we always hope in our kind of self-centric way that things that are higher uh, functioning and smarter and more technologically advanced would be kinder, uh, more peaceful. Right. <laughs> That's the right, general right. thing. Um and so, yeah, that's kind of my position is that, you know, we've even if you let's say, um, you know, over time, let's just say there was a dozen. And we're just making a guess here of, of these stories okay. about aliens uh, contacting us that are true, that are real. Right. So we've had a dozen points of contact and nothing's really happened. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't I think that bodes really well. Um you know, I think the reason that in popular culture, you know, you have the Klingons and the Romulans, we get the Star Trek again, is because mm-hmm. you have to have a foe, right? So yeah. Um, yeah, they they always have to make something because we have to have this kind of, you know, dichotomy or whatever, duality, and, and there's got to mm-hmm. be somebody good and somebody bad, and that's how that drives the story, right? But yeah, you know, the reality, problem. if you some watch conflict. like Apollo 13, what drives the story is, you know, is space bad? You know, they went to space uh, and it was a <laughs> and it was a shit show because things didn't work the way they were supposed to. Um, yeah. You know, and so, you know, the space isn't good or bad. I think that's the 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 universe isn't good or bad. It just is. And mm-hmm. yes, there may be some life that um, uh, comes down and wants things. But, you know, I, I always... I, I loved Independence Day when it was when it was released and watching it and the entertainment value of it all, right? But it is so yeah, yeah. ridiculous. 
And it's, uh, and, you know, when we talk about contact, where I say it is really, really rooted in reality, right? Yes. Independence Day yeah, yeah. is really, really rooted in not reality. <laughs> 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 not because of the, it has aliens and so forth, but because he somehow feeds a virus from his MacBook into the, yeah. you know, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're here for resources, yeah. which there's so many more resources on asteroids that, you know, put this planet to shame. Uh, oh, that's a good you just, point. You just yeah. stop. You can stop anywhere you want. There's a whole asteroid belt out out there that has millions and millions of more times resources than we have. So, mm-hmm. you know, because we always think of resources like oil because that's what we deal with, you know. And hopefully mm-hmm. by the time they get to be interstellar travelers, uh, they don't have to deal with oil. I mean, Christ's sake. Right. Um, so (laughs) yeah, how often you have to fill your tank up to try travel, you know, a hundred million light years. I don't know. So, um, (laughs) Oh, it's like space balls. They've got to pull into the the rest stop the gas or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a Bucky's in space. Did you know that? There's a Bucky's out there. It's, It's got 2 million pumps. And that gets actually something that you mentioned before you talk about Star Trek. Because number one, I think The Next Generation is the best Star Trek that there was so far. And you've yeah. talked about it several times, so I'm assuming you're with me on that. And uh, and they yes. did an episode called The Duck Blind. Do you remember The Duck Blind episode? So Wasn't that a movie? No, no I Wasn't think that? it was an episode. They may have done it in the okay. movie as well, but uh, okay. the, there was an episode where the Data and Picard and everybody, they go into The Duck Blind, they're watching this... Uh, uh, emerging uh, society, right? And then, mm-hmm. then, then they have problems because, you know, they always have problems, right? So yeah. um, there's a whole idea, right, that the moon is a duck blind, right? This is a concept that's out in the world uh-huh. that there, there's always been aliens on the moon. And in fact, if you go read Just- about Apollo 11, and you, they, they either do a really good job like Zemeckis did with putting Clinton into his movie or something happened where they say, yeah, we see these things on the ridge, right, uh, watching us. And huh. that's, that's from the transmissions from uh, Neil Armstrong and, and Buzz Aldrin, right? So, um, oh. yeah. So the, and then the whole, there's a whole story about the moon. They dropped the uh, module onto the moon. And it rang like a bell for 30 minutes or something like that. So it's not real, right? You've you've probably seen something about how the moon is the per- we have eclipses, right? Mm-hmm. How in you know how in the name of Zeus's butthole to quote Nicolas Cage, another great actor, uh, <laughs> how in the name of Zeus's butthole could we have a moon that is literally the same size as the sun at the distance that it is in order to block out the sun at certain times uh, in our history to have eclipses, right? It's a mathematical improbability that this could happen naturally, is what they say, right? Yeah. Okay. So the moon is an artificial. Uh, that's the whole. The moon is an artificial satellite, and if there's a reason to have a moon as an artificial satellite, what better use for that satellite than to be a point of uh, coming and going, <laughs> so that you yeah. can watch whatever's happening on the planet. And huh. yeah, you can dig yourself into that one if you want to at another time, <laughs> because it's deep, right? It's really deep. That's I just scratched the surface on that one. 
And um, so, yeah, I think just like that episode with Star Trek with the duck blind, I would not be surprised if in the future sometime that we find out, you know, that stuff Uh has been there and has always been there and they've just been kind of peeking in on us. Now, why they would want to do that, I don't know. Well, so I was going to ask. Yeah, I I think now as I'm thinking, I mean, there there are several, um, several Star Trek episodes where they either... Um, observe from from orbit or they have to you know get their makeup on to look like locals <laughs> right yeah and, and go observe yeah right <laughs> you know be part of of the culture there or uh or what have you but um yeah why do you think i mean let's say it's the moon you know mm-hmm. that that some culture or, or maybe multiple cultures are are up there just observing us are, are they waiting are, are they just learning is this just yeah. like anthropology or i mean if we if we're self-centered like we normally are if you think about it um mm-hmm. we do it constantly mm-hmm. we we you know uh and here we'll tie it all into you know mammals and gorillas and so forth right so we didn't re- we didn't know and i think it was turn of the century uh that uh, maybe just before the turn of the century that that there there was these giant apes, right? We didn't, mm-hmm. they're, oh, that's just stories. You know, what the hell are you talking about? There's no giant apes in this world. You know, it's all just chimpanzees and little monkeys. And and then they discovered them, right? And then, mm-hmm. of course, once they find them, then they want to find out more about them. And then that gets into Jane Goodall and, and living with the apes and being with apes. So before that, though, they had to watch from afar, Right. Yeah. And okay. to make sure that they're not going to get killed, uh, <laughs> dealing with these apes, which are capable of killing you pretty easily. So yeah. yeah, well, we do that with all kinds of different species, and uh, already on Earth, you know, we, you know, if you watch any old Disney animal documentary, they they we we put a camera in the bear's den to watch him hibernate, you know? And and yeah. they show you these scenes. A bear's not even aware that there's a camera in there, you know, and, and we mm-hmm. monitor. So it stands to reason that if there was some type of aliens that they would probably do the same thing and 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 they would do it for however long they felt comfortable doing it. Maybe forever. Yeah. Maybe they're yeah. waiting for warp drive. Maybe they just want to see and then it's, we're like a zoo you know what i mean so mm-hmm. it, it all has the potential um and i see no reason why they wouldn't and maybe they're not even watching us maybe they're watching cows you know <laughs> maybe gary larson had it right and the cows are really the smart ones and they're yeah they're just watching they're waiting the for kobe beef 2.0 That's and right. then they're going to take all the cows <laughs> right. you know it, it's or, um yeah. We, we don't know what the agenda is, um, but we yeah. know, you know, we have these stories that things happening. I just recently saw, uh, I love to watch, uh, there's lots of bad documentaries on UFOs and abduction and stuff, but there are a few good ones and so forth. And I watched this thing called Missing 411. There's a new version. There's a guy who writes books about this and about people who go missing. Now, he made one a documentary recently about people who are abducted. And um, so uh, there was this guy, and I'm trying to remember where he was at, but anyway, he was a, um, you know, just kind of regular guy. And he was out hunting elk. So it was somewhere in north, either in southern uh, Canada or northern United States. Okay. And he gets abducted. Okay. 
and he goes missing and um, he goes missing for several days, right? So uh, he's a well-established hunter. He's going out. He goes to shoot this elk and he shoots it, but he doesn't shoot it because it was inside of a force field and his bullet literally hits the force field and just drops. And he goes to investigate and he gets uh, taken, he meets a, an alien. He's got a great story and he's not like a, you know, he's a pretty simple guy in the interview, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. his alien doesn't even have hands, it's just got tentacles for hands, but it has a head and two legs and everything. And anyway, they abduct him, right? And they also take hmm. the elk, which is interesting. Um, but um, yeah. so he goes up in the ship and he, they take him away and he sees stuff out the window and they talk to him and everything. And then uh, he says the only reason he thinks he got he got brought back later and deposited not even where he was at. It was like miles away. Uh, they deposit him back on Earth, you know, close. Maybe they didn't drop a pin. So they just put him back close by. <laughs> they don't remember where yeah. he got him. <laughs> you know, and um uh, he's got a great story to tell, um, and it's really weird, right? Because but they mm-hmm. were looking at the elk, they were studying the huh. elk. They they took elk with them because they wanted to know more about the elk, and he just happened to show up, and he says the only reason that he doesn't think he thinks they dropped him back off is because he had a vasectomy, because oh. they did an examination <laughs> on him, and. And so, you know, they're like, examined him. And the next thing you know, he gets dropped back off. They, he gets found. Everybody's like, oh, my gosh, what the hell happened to you? He tells his wife this great story that gets out, you know, and, and yeah. there you go. The great thing about it is he has the bullet that he shot. And really? it literally is flattened, uh, but not, it's, it's deformed, but not, you know, like he didn't shoot a tree. He didn't uh-huh. shoot a, an elk. It's deformed in a way with no other um, uh, material in it. So, huh. you know, if you shoot a bullet, uh, forensics for bullets and so forth, and it goes into a tree, mm-hmm. there's going to be microscopic pieces of that tree and that bullet, right? Because it deforms sure. and, and so forth. Shoot it through an yeah. animal, shoot it through a person, there's going to be DNA still on that bullet if, you know, within a certain time period and so forth. So, yeah, he has this deformed bullet that hit something that didn't leave anything in it. So anyway, fascinating story and a fascinating documentary. So yeah, mm-hmm. they were, but he just goes to, the story goes to show that they really weren't interested in him necessarily. Uh, he just made the assumption about the vasectomy, I guess. I don't know if he had conversations. They didn't go into it too much, but they, <laughs> he knew they were very interested in these elk because they took like three of them all in one swoop uh, up and he saw them on the ship, uh, hmm. and they were like frozen in time on the ship in this kind of force field thing. So yeah, always very fascinating. Uh, I kind of got off subject there a bit, but I think that you know so, it's just like you know an uh, international team of people who are studying uh, archaeology or something go someplace and they're monitoring something or some animal or something. I think that could be the same thing that aliens mm-hmm. are doing. Yeah. So yeah, maybe. So you think one. you think they were uh, they were taking the elk to just study Earth biology, or you think they wanted um, a trophy or do, a new a new say. source of protein or something? Didn't say. Yeah, that's interesting. He never came to, to the conclusion of that from what I got from yeah. the show, but 
Um, it was, uh, you know, it, it just kind of goes to show you. I mean, that's and it's a bit of an obscure story because I don't think I'd ever heard it before. Um, and so yeah. it was interesting to hear that in the context. Um, but there's right. a whole, I mean, you want to get into wormholes and, and not just alien stuff, but just, you know, weird happenings in the world, right? Like glowing mm-hmm. orbs and all that kind of stuff. The missing 411 series is just fascinating. Literally, uh, quick story, there's guys, climb, I think it was in Washington, climbing this, uh, you know, little mountain out there. Uh, it's barren, right? It's like they're up mm-hmm. above the tree line and it's just nothing. Sure. And older guys, and three of them, and they stop for a minute to catch their breath. One guy says, I think I'm going to start going. Literally nothing um, to obstruct your view. The other two huh. guys sit down, take a drink, turn around, the guy's gone. Huh. And, you know, when you're in the mountains, the first thing you think of is he fell into a crevasse, you know, hit his head or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's gone. He's dead. Um, but they literally not a couple minutes he just disappeared from them and they like combed that whole area themselves then called it in they did search parties they did everything they never found the guy and wow. that happens if you if you look into national parks and disappearances that's what this kind of series of books and things are i mean it's just amazing i mean it has to yeah. be statistically more than would just fall down a hill and die so Right, right. It's it's a, a wild, another wild hole you can step in if you want to. It doesn't have to do with Matthew McConaughey. If we talk about bongo drumming <laughs> naked in Texas yeah. while you're high, <laughs> maybe that's McConaughey territory. Yeah. <laughs> and that gets uh, talk about going back to the duck blind real quick. Uh, and I, my son makes fun of me because he loves to, to ask me questions and then I give him a real answer and then he loves to make fun of me. But, you know, uh, uh, I think there's a great possibility that we have a base on the moon as the United States oh. because uh, it, it, just out of p- pure logic, there's two logical trains of thought that you can take uh, and it tells you, yes, it probably is true. So, Okay. Uh, number one is we didn't go. We haven't been back to the moon for how long, right? Since 1971. Okay. All right. Why? We've been there, right? I know it was tough. Mm-hmm. Cost a lot of money. Again, remember, mm-hmm. cost a lot of money doesn't mean anything uh, if, yeah. if the government really wants to do it. Um, and uh, number two, what would be the best place in the world to have a military base? <laughs> yeah what you know yeah what would it be yeah you don't need to put nukes and satellites <laughs> in orbit you just put them on the moon exactly because guess what huh. every and the moon does not rotate the same as the you know if you've looked right. at the rotation of the moon is different so yeah what better way what better way to to protect your country and everybody else than to Put every, yeah. you know, where, what's more expensive, putting a, a nukes in a satellite and having an orbit, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the world, or sticking them on a rock that's spinning already, and you can just fire them off and it can pretty much hit half mm-hmm. the planet or more at any yeah. time that you want. So, do you do you think that 
they were taking nukes up during the Apollo program or no, that they've they gone back since? Yeah. I think the reason afterwards. it stopped was because um, it, it, it got too complicated to try to keep everything separate. Okay. Because there's been, I mean, rocket launches happen constantly. We just don't hear about them, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about all the spy satellites. And then the other um, piece of information that I look at for this logic is they say, oh, there's millions of pieces of debris in orbit that just, you can't fire a rocket because we're going to hit space debris and mm-hmm. it's going to kill everything, right? You've heard that scenario, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Think about it. We we have 7 billion people who are throwing garbage out the window and we're still not sitting waist deep in garbage. How much garbage do you have to throw into space in order to make it so the rocket's going to hit something? Mm. It's, it's inconceivable that they've pushed that much garbage into space when, you know, literally you're not wading through garbage in your hometown, you mm. know? Now, the difference being it travels at, at faster speeds and so forth still, yeah, it, a little it, flecks of paint. Right, can it's still tear it apart. Yeah, the, you know, the, think about a circle, right? You think about think about ordering a pizza, right? So the circumference of that pizza is larger. It's that much more large on the outside in the atmosphere mm-hmm. than it is on the ground. Um, sure, it's it, it's it's all to me. It's just kind of ridiculous when they say that because it's just. I mean, yes, there is debris in space. There's no doubt about that. Right. But it, there yeah. can't be so much debris in space that it you can't fire rockets up. You know what I mean? It Yeah, they're still putting satellites. Yeah, they're still doing up it. And, and the other thing the is time. if they can track all that debris in space, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why do we have crime? You could literally track all the criminals. <laughs> right? Yeah. They're, you're telling me uh, that, that NASA and those folks can travel millions, they can track millions of pieces of debris in space of certain size, even, right? Yeah. That's what, oh, certain size. And we can't find out where Charlie got out of jail and is, went and robbed the convenience store. I mean, come yeah. on. The technology <laughs> obviously is there. They just aren't applying it to, um, you know, earthly issues. Yeah. Um, right. If that's the case. Right. So I don't really think that's the case, but that's my thing. And then the other thing is, you know, we just recently uh, over the last few years have the Space Force, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Space Force has been around since probably the 80s. Um, they just didn't talk to anybody about it. And if you also look at patches, you know, there's all these patches for all these military military things. There uh-huh. are patches in the past that indicate that they are for something that's not terrestrial. So, <laughs> well, I think I mean, wasn't the Air Force that was you know space was their purview, right? Uh, as far as the military goes, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So that, yeah, but yeah, they interesting. I think we've had a separate space force, I think, for a long, long for decades, and oh, they're finally okay. just saying that they're finally over oh, because we just signed something. We're going to have a space force, right? No, there's been a mm-hmm. space force. That gets to the offshoot on that is there's a guy named Gary McKinnon who was a British guy who was uh, uh, they called him a hacker but the reality was he's just a curious person and mm-hmm. had some skills and uh, he got into NASA computers in the late 90s uh, about the time of contact and mm-hmm. he found a list of non-terrestrial officers um, with people's names right uh, really? who don't who are uh, involved in the military who just don't work on the planet. And 
he got in big trouble. They've been trying to extradite him all these years, um, but the UK has not extradited him yet, which is fantastic. But uh, he got in a lot of trouble, you know, and then kind of ruined his life. But uh, he was just a nerdy guy who had some computer skills, and and at the time, security wasn't uh, f- front of mind, and and they had a lot of you know one two three four five six seven eight uh, passwords, and he just got into places <laughs> and and got uh, information, and he's talked about it. And, you know, and and there, you know, kind of did uh, sabotage his credibility and so forth. But I think he's just mm-hmm. a nerdy guy that that you know, through his own curiosity, kind of went to the wrong place, um, and uh, it's gotten him in trouble. But it also is a point of data that says, hey, wait a minute, because it makes more sense. It makes so much sense. I mean, you know, there was absolutely yeah. no reason after we made it to the moon to stop going to the moon, um, you know, at least every yeah. five years. I mean, you got to keep your, well, you got to keep your, what is it? Uh, your residency up so you can claim to be a resident for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, right. it's fascinating, but I, I, yeah, I, those are the kind of the scenarios that, uh, and so my some a lot, do you think there's a moon base? I say, yeah, I think there's a moon base and I think people are up there and I think they're doing work and doing experiments and, um, you know, and this, I know as a fact, you know, there's a base in Antarctica, Right, mm-hmm. so you know, there's right. a lot of people who do scientific work in Antarctica, right? Did you know that the yeah. military has a base in Antarctica, a year-round base? I did not know that. Yeah, I know somebody who worked there. He's a good friend of mine. <laughs> is that is that not public knowledge? Oh is no, I think not... it's public knowledge at this point. At yeah. the time that he worked okay. there, it probably wasn't. Um, that's been quite huh. a number of years ago. But yeah, um, he would. I thought the whole deal was like. Antarctica was not supposed to have any military yeah, presence. Well, well, go figure. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> it's but it's you know it's almost moot at this point because I think that that all got moved mm-hmm. out into space. So um, yeah. I don't think there's probably as much of a president in Antarctica as there was because the whole idea of having it there was you uh, kind of had access to listen to everything. Um, okay. So you know nowadays you don't need that. So. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Weapons hot, deflectors to full. Let me ask you this. I was just thinking about Mars. Do you think that we're going to have a, a colony on Mars in our Some lifetime? Some people say there already is one, but um, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't I, – I would say yes, eventually. I think it's an inevitability. Um, I don't know why they jump right to Mars unless we've already got something somewhere else. Because it seems like it would be a closer spot to do testing. But uh, (laughs) maybe there's already testing. So that gets to my point again. Why wouldn't you put something on the moon uh, Mm -hmm. before you'd go to Mars? uh, Unless you've already started doing that work. Um, Sure. So, uh, but yeah, I I imagine that there would be. I mean, there's... uh, There's a whole lot of similarities that people have written about with Mars and and the Earth and, uh, you know, um, lots of speculation on on how it got that way and so forth. So Mm -hmm. it's just, um, I think it's inevitable, again, who knows how soon Mm -hmm. it will be. But, you know, the the problem that we have, uh, I think, overall for... um, for us is just we're not designed to be in space. Um, 
Mm. And so it may take, um, you know, either some leap of technology to where we can withstand the radiation and, and, and uh, fluctuation of temperatures in space and so forth. Or it may be that it, there we're, you know, cyborgs that have our memories implanted into them and, and then go out into space. Sure. So, yeah. you know, um, until, you know, they talk about wormholes and all this kind of stuff, which is in the movie as well. You know, uh-huh. until we can make it quick, right? Because getting uh-huh. to Mars and getting back from Mars is going to take a lot of time and energy um, to do yeah. that. Um, then, you know, uh, it means less time in it that you can spend there because you got to you want to get back more than likely because, you know, we can't. All, it, <laughs> yeah. if it's a one way trip to Mars. You might as well just call it Kevorkian. Uh, everybody's going to go there to die. <laughs> You know, right? Planet Kevorkian. Right. Uh, so everybody went there and just died. <laughs> um, but I think that we have to get, you know, uh, space stations or other things that are uh, more palatable to people. I mean, not everybody wants to sit on a vacuum toilet, and you know, mm-hmm. we all like our Starbucks and our, you know, right fast food and everything you're not going to just jump Uh on the oh yeah i'll go out and do that i mean who wants to do that yeah come on we got comfortable lives right now uh that's that's a tough sell i would say to the average population so did you watch the the show the expanse or read the book i have i've seen some of the expanse i haven't watched the whole thing but i have i have watched uh some of that Um, i thought that was again talking about like a realistic you know, possibility. I, I liked how that was written, you know, that I guess the progression here is um, they go to Mars, I think mostly to be able to mine the asteroid belt, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I guess mine Mars too. Right. And then it ends up being the humans on Mars, right. so Martians yeah. <laughs> kind of versus the Earthers. Mm-hmm. And then you've got like these laborers in the asteroid belt who are doing the, the hard work and um. Yeah, I don't know. Just the whole way that they, I, I, that just that scenario seems very realistic to me. Oh, you know? yeah. If space travel becomes that accessible, Elysium, you know, like that, that. that's kind of how it would play out. Jodie Foster in Elysium uh, was the haves, and Matt Damon was yes. the haves. So, um, I forgot yeah, about that. Great movie too, and they lived off yes. planet, you know, because they lived in the good part, and then everybody on the planet right. kind of got the stinky, overused part. Yeah. Well, Bob, thank you so much. I've I've really enjoyed. We're here two and a half hours in. It does not feel like we've been talking for two and a half hours. Yeah, I was just say I got to get my wife's going to yell at me for dinner here. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for talking with me. Uh, oh, no problem. For- I I and I, just to put it out there, maybe you can use it as a soundbite. Let uh, Matthew McConaughey has got a great career and he's going to do great things hopefully the rest of his life. And yeah, he's got some great movies out and that's the rom, except for the rom-coms, but the great <laughs> movies out there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I wish you guys the best of success with this venture. And I hope, like I said, I hope one day that, uh, you get to talk to the man cause he's, uh, he's got a certain special something. That's for, for sure. sure. Yeah. Well, take care. I appreciate thanks. it. Thanks, Bob. I don't get-
two fucks, but I am telling you right now, that motherfuck, that motherfucker back there is not real. Is such a thing even possible? Yes, it is. Uh, and then in terms of uh, multidimensionality, that kind of thing, the, the framework uh, that I'm familiar with, for example, is something called the holographic principle. Uh, both, uh, it's, it derives itself from general relativity and uh, quantum mechanics. And that is, if you want to imagine uh, 3D objects such as yourself casting a shadow onto a 2D surface, uh, that's the holographic principle. So you can be projected, quasi-projected from higher dimensional space to lower dimensional. It's a scientific trope that you can actually cross, literally, as far as I understand, but there's probably guys of PhDs that we could probably but, argue about that. But you have yeah. not seen any documentation that that's what's occurring. Uh, only a theoretical framework discussion. Yes. Okay. Ah!